Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Hey! All right. Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night, Dave Willimowski. Dave! How are you doing? Oh, that was startling. Yeah. Hey, I'm uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm working pretty much normal hours. Life's, life's pretty good. Yeah. A little hot out, but we got the pool Ooh. going. God, it has been so hot outside. Dave, how hot has it been? Uh, it's it's so hot that that heat stroke is a very real threat right now. So be careful out there. Make sure you're hydrating. All right. Um, right. you, here's an interesting little <laughs> factoid for you. This is a fun bit of trivia that one of my friends sent me. Did you know that Joe Biden was born closer to the Abraham Lincoln presidency than to his own? <laughs> is that not wild? Is that true? That's incredible. So, yes. So from the most, it was 77 years from when Lincoln was assassinated to Joe Biden being born, but he assumed office as president seventy at seventy eight years old. So he was closer to the Lincoln administration <laughs> than to the Biden administration when he was born. Wow. Yeah. Just you know, I'm that's, not. I'm not saying any. I'm just saying you know. It's a little perspective. Yeah. Exactly. It's a little perspective. <laughs> It's, it's nice. funny. I, I wrote I wrote my buddy back uh, because he's he's close to the same age as me, and I told him I'm gonna wait because it's, it's it, we gotta wait a few more years. In a few years, I'm gonna text my buddy back and say, "Hey, did you know you were born closer to World War II than to today?" <laughs> That's See, a fun little treat for him. Do you, yeah. Do you want to go down that rabbit hole or not? You know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Dave. Did you know you were born closer to World War II than today? Is that true? Wait, how old are you? 43. It might be true. It might be. I'm going to have to work the, work the numbers it, there. The fact that it's even close, you know, like, yeah. really do, really dodged a bullet, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sad news to report tonight, unfortunately. Uh, Doc Marie, which was a lesbian bar in Portland, Oregon, that hoped to promote a more inclusive community was shut down after only a single week in business after its employees accused the owner of not making it a safe space for trans people. Employees demanded the ownership be handed over to the workers. But instead, the location was closed indefinitely. Yeah. You want to know what I think about that? But it sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook. <laughs> Oh, man. I miss Norm. Wait, I just want to say really quick, some people don't some people don't realize like this show's live. Like, you know how yeah. we used to say the show was live and they'd go, ah, yeah. you're, you're just, you know, live. Yeah. No, it you're actually lying. is live. And the yeah. reason why I mentioned that is I looked over in the live chat and someone said BRB. Like, yeah, are we are we waiting? We, we, yeah, we should wait. All right, let's let's take a moment. Uh, play 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 some music while we wait. Okay, um, there we go. Give give you know. Yeah. Give them give them time to get back. Oh, she's actually getting a phone call. It might take a little while, so it's not right back. 
I mean, this song's only like three minutes long, so. That should do it. Yeah. Okay, I think that's enough of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's just... We we don't want to... Because we only have that one song queued up, and people are going to get the wrong idea that the show's ending. And just, <laughs> see? Look! Look at that! There's already people in chat saying, all right, see you, later. See you next week. It's, it's like Pavlovian. They'll, they'll just yeah. go to bed. Well, you know you know the drill. See, this is something, folks at home, we, that don't know this. If you stick around for the after party on Twitch, uh, when, when basically when Dave gets really tired and it's time to go to bed, we play that song. And if someone donates or subscribes to our Patreon during the song... Dave I'm has to stay to up. Suffer. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 suffer he will. Speaking <laughs> of that, you know, we got to do a better job of asking people to support the show, you know? Oh, yeah. That's like a like little we, call to action. Yeah, like we have the little commercial spots that say, hey, subscribe to our Patreons, patreon.com slash Alamosa. But people just tune the commercials out, yeah. I've learned. It's white yeah. noise now. Yeah. So that's why that's why we have to have ad placement you know, carefully put in the segment. You just, mm-hmm. you won't even notice it. You won't even notice it. Just like the smooth Deer Park natural spring water that... I bet Deer Park wouldn't appreciate me uh, yeah. advertising their water when mine's red. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the extra, what is that, copper? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's not the water. It's just I have very bleedy gums. Oh. Wow. Should probably see somebody about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's the whole bad. thing. Like, they, they used to tell you, oh, I bet you don't floss. And then they started saying yeah. you're, you're not supposed to floss all the time. And, you know, now what? I just don't know what. Now I don't know what to think. Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I haven't been to a dentist in a while, though. So, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> so you've also got red drink, as I like to call it. Okay. Um, Boy, that Doc Marie situation. It's like. It's another classic example of the left eating itself, but I think it's particularly apropos of the left eating itself when it's a lesbian bar, you know? Oh. Wow. They really muffed this one, didn't they? (laughs) I hope they know how to snatch unemployment. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to destroy your business? Leave it to Beaver. Okay. I think we're good. This really went down the tube, didn't it? Alan. No. Stop. Talk about a slip of the tongue. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. I think we should move on. Um, The monologue's almost over, and we haven't actually hit the thing that the monologue was going to be about. Oh, we we often do that. (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. There was there was a big thing that happened in the news uh, a few days ago. There was a shooting at a mall in Indiana. But we, we had a guest this week, and we already had the, the segment done. So I, I wanted to take some time in the monologue to talk about the shooting. And the reason why it, it made headlines, other than just being another mass, mass shooting, but really it was really more of an attempted mass shooting, because this mass shooter only got off a handful of rounds for... Oh. He was put to an end. Elijah Dickin, 22-year-old kid. I guess I really shouldn't call him a kid if he's 22 years old and he's out there yeah, gunning down. Us. Yeah, he's ba- practically Batman at this point. But uh, <laughs> do we have a picture of Elijah Dickin? Oh, yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, there he is right there. 22. Oh, 22, by the way. Amazing yeah. jawline, yeah. Yeah. 
here's right. you want to talk about amazing. Listen to this. How is this for a guy who Indiana recently passed uh, permitless carry? So he's carrying. And there's actually leftists on the Internet that are saying that he's not a good guy because he was carrying a gun in the mall and the mall is supposed to be a gun free zone. <laughs> so he's actually a bad guy, too. Right. Yeah. He could have just as easily been the shooter, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if you're walking around with a gun, you literally you're two faced, right? You literally flip a coin with each person that passes you decide whether they live or die. <laughs> Big responsibility. But listen to this. So someone peeps this guy pulling out his long rifle, heading into the mall. He he catches wind of it. He pushes his girlfriend like behind a kiosk or something. Pulls out mm -hmm. his sidearm. He steadies himself up against a pole, and he shoots this guy from 40 yards away with a pistol. Whoa. Yeah. Takes you know, this they guy. Make look, they, they make it look easy in the movies, but that that's not yeah. an easy shot. Yeah, exactly. Takes this guy out. And, and moreover than that, from the time that the shooting occurred to the time that the shooter was neutralized by Elijah, it took him 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Can you believe that? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So the the reason why I really I I felt like it would be terrible for not to us to at least mention it on the show tonight is not only did he do an amazing job, and not only are there insane leftists out there who say that he shouldn't be getting uh, called a good Samaritan and patted on the back, even though he absolutely saved people's lives, but mm -hmm. above all that, it it came at such an interesting time because. Uh, for people that are watching the news, you might be aware that that big that big official report about the whole Uvalde Elementary School shooting dropped yeah. like literally 24 hours before the shooting in Indiana. And so on back to back days, you had this big report detailing that get this, there were almost 400 law enforcement personnel on the scene at that elementary school. And yet the shooter was basically allowed to kill children until he ran out of ammunition before they went in and got him. Versus just one good Samaritan, a civilian with their own carry, takes out an active shooter in 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I and 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like we're not gonna do a whole show on and I didn't want to like grandstand it about it or anything because if anything we should just be saying you know good job to that kid and move on because this is exactly how we feel things would play out if if we had an armed slash polite society and you didn't mm -hmm. have gun free zones like imagine if he was obeying the rules and did not bring his firearm because he thought oh it's a gun free zone I can't protect myself then what would have happened that day you know yeah. So, kudos to him. Uh, one thing that I will say that I want to keep an eye on is the actual mall chain, like the, the, the ownership group of the mall. Because that mall does have signs up that says, well, you know, even though you're allowed to carry in Indiana now, you're not supposed to have it yeah. on their property. They'll probably ask him to leave. But they also issued a statement talking about what a hero he was for stopping the shooting. Now, obviously, you see where I'm going with this. I'm gonna. I'm interested to see if the mall gets rid of their no firearms regulations on their property, knowing full well that if this, if they had those rules and if this guy was obeying them, he would not have saved the day. Mm -hmm. 
That's just a, that's something that I hope that the 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 twenty four hour news cycle doesn't just gloss over. I wanna I wanna check in a month from now. I'm gonna find like the contact for that Greenwood Mall group, and like a month from now, I'm gonna ask, hey, do you guys still have a no firearms policy at the mall? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, then they learned nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all the seriousness we have for tonight. I think we're gonna go back to commie gobbledygook from here on out. All right. Yeah. But it sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook. <laughs> you know what makes that clip? What makes that <laughs> clip is that split second of Sarah Silverman looking at Norm like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's so honest. Uh, guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week and the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Dave, did I tell you that I've been doing a series of polls on Twitter? Did I tell you <laughs> about noticed. that? You've noticed I, that? I, I've, yeah. I've, I decided to start doing a daily poll on Twitter. Just, to, you know, like working on audience engagement, getting... But I'll tell you, I actually have ulterior motives. I, there's two. It's not just oh. curiously looking at the results. Number one is, is I'm sort of, I'm looking at the results and I'm sort of gauging who our audience is. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, like, no. ba yeah, based on the answers that from the polls, I'm wondering what kind of people watch the show. And the other thing is, is that I, sometimes I purposely make polls to see if the cowards will vote or not. Yeah, a lot of them are very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you know, you should be, should be uncomfortable. Uh, let me tell you about tonight's sponsor. That's Pat Crest Botanicals. Guys, if you're a CBD fan, you like to have those little gummies before bed, you know, help you relax. They got the whole Delta 8 thing, which I think is, Delta 8's like, like, isn't it just legal heroin? Isn't it, you know, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> like, really read the like, website. Yeah. But anyway, if you want legal heroin in gummy form, go to patcrestbotanicals.com. <laughs> Use promo code, it's too late, all one word, it's too late. You get 30% off. No. That's that's insanity. You know, I saw it. I saw a business like that. I saw an image the other day. Do you remember do you remember when places like McDonald's used to have specials where like for one day only you could get like a burger for 10 cents and people would go and get like sacks of burgers and stuff. Remember how they used to do specials like that back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm old enough to remember when you could go to McDonald's, like, on Tuesdays and get a burger for, like, a quarter. And I went by McDonald's the other day, and I noticed, you know that they don't call it the dollar menu anymore. Now they call it the value menu because there's yep. nothing on yep. it for a dollar. Yeah. Oh, uh, they can't yeah. do that anymore. No, nope, can't do that anymore. 
Uh, I don't know what that has to do with Pat Gross Botanicals, but go go buy drugs and we get some of the money. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that means they go to prison. But yeah, not, we're not involved. Yeah, they don't. You don't want the small time dealer on the corner. That's us. You want, yeah, Pat yeah. Gross Botanicals. I can't imagine anyone not wanting to be our advertised sponsor. You no. know, no. These yeah. are memorable ads. Yeah, exactly. People are going to be talking all the rest of this week. Hey, did you see where Alan lost another sponsor? Yeah, it was Pat Crest Botanicals. <laughs> all right. Uh, 30% hey, off. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Yes, Alan. What time is it? It's time for Meme of the Week. <laughs> Me writing a joke in my suicide note. <laughs> I did not see that one. <laughs> <laughs> Always crack myself up though, yeah. I could see that. All right. Uh but we do have a bonus meme. Check out the bonus meme. Eight year olds today have Facebook and iPhones and Xboxes. When I was eight years old, I was molested. Oh. <laughs> Is that like Is childhood better or worse? I'm thinking worse. But he's saying like like Yeah. Good old days, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll take the xbox Thanks. yeah see i don't was it was it last week or the week before that we had some people saying i was saying you can joke about anything and some other yeah. people were saying oh you can't joke about anything and i was like what can you not joke about and they said oh well you can't joke about pedophilia yeah well there okay. you are yeah <laughs> exactly um Boy, speaking of pedophilia, let's go ahead and answer the viewer mail. Oh, this! Oh, yeah, this is exciting. It's time for the part of the show where Alan answers the viewer mail questions. A handful. It's 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 a whole thing. You gotta you gotta go back and like slow it down to quarter time. I gotta move the microphone back. It's like. Right in my face, like when I was eight. Um, so anyway, Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Dave, If you fill a raised garden bed, are you the loam arranger? Wait, I gotta... The what? Yeah, let's, let's, let's take a minute. Uh, Andrew, Dave's gonna... Dave's gonna, gonna Google your loam. words. What the hell's a loam? Um, I hope the keystroke got picked up. Fertile yeah. soil of clay and sand containing hummus. Wow, that's it's complicated. I just put dirt in there. No, I just I was gonna yeah, hit can... a laugh button, but I, no one's laughing. You know? No, that's Andrew. No one's laughing. <laughs> Stop it! Sorry. Get some help. All right. Uh, Eric Eli writes, "Dear Alan and Dave." If you were a person with extraordinary powers, would you be a superhero, supervillain, or antihero? What would your powers be? How did you get them? Don't forget a name. That's like 17 questions. Yeah. Dave, pick one of those. I, I can cover most of them. If, if I had extraordinary powers, I don't know if I, what I'd be, what category I'd be. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be real stingy with it. I wouldn't, I would just have an easier life. You know, I get stuff done quicker. Okay. You know, 
skip the whole, you know, drive to work, just fly there real quick. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I, my name would be Dave. Not, not even like Super Dave or. No, I don't want anybody to know. The Incredible Dave, perhaps. Maybe, maybe with Mary, she can call me that. All right. Um. <laughs> well, it, uh, you, you you skipped one. What would your powers oh. be? Um. Super speed, flight, and invisibility. Oh, you get three, do you? Yeah, yeah. God, said powers. Much... I heard. I, I heard multiple. How much <laughs> did you roll around in the radioactive waste to get three powers? So that means you I get drank. three powers, but you're going to die of carcinoma in like two years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Live that's what fast, that means. Fast, die young. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, there you are, Eric. Uh. I mean. I feel like superhero and supervillain are, are are subjective, right? Like, no yeah. one is the villain in their own story. You're the hero in your own story. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, I mean, you only call me a villain because I burned down your village. But yeah. You just have a different they, moral compass. They were all degenerates. They deserve the cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I'm going to call myself. Is... <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Kintner writes, Dear Alan and Dave. What's the craziest thing a boss has ever asked you to do? Oh, had any, any a boss asked you to do anything crazy, Dave? No, 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 nothing really crazy. I mean, the only thing I'll get is they'll they'll show me a piece of equipment that has like two inches of like grease on it, and give me a box of rags and say clean that. And it looks impossible, but I'm here for eight hours, so I'll just do that. But nothing crazy. I don't have any good stories. Sorry. You're right. You don't have any good stories. No. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean, I don't I don't really know how crazy it is, but I remember back in the day, I used to be a merchandiser for Scott's Miracle Grow. And once a year, oh. we would go in and do the resets where we would take all the Scott stuff and whatever off the shelves and like the the pesticides and the chemicals and the mulch and the grass seed and all that, you know, everything would come off the shelves Mm -hmm. and then it would be rearranged and and then just put right back where it was, but in different spots because reasons. And you know, the, we don't work like I don't work for home Depot. I'm just, I work for Scott's and I'm just moving our products. And the people that work there always take like, you know, those big ladders that they run around the aisles with to get things up and down off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't want us to, to, to hog the ladders. Cause they're like, well, we we're busy. We work here. I need it for customers. Well, naturally, what does that mean? We're just climbing the shelves <laughs> and it, but see, that's the same thing is that, you know, they don't want the employees to climb the shelves. You get in trouble, but I yeah. don't work for home Depot. <laughs> so you just, there's just 17 spider Scott spider men just crawling all <laughs> over the store. Like you just see people are just hanging from the rafters. Hey, where's this grass seed go? Um, but I never dropped any on any little girls. Oh, that's nice. so unlike Lowe's in Maryville, Tennessee. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, Ryan Seifert writes, dear Alan and Dave, would you both be interested in a hot dog eating contest? Huh? I can't. I don't know if this is a question for viewer mail or if he's just asking if we'd like to. Yeah, that confused me too because it seems like something he would offer. Just, yeah, you want to. You wanted wanna to go, plan one. You want to. You want to do a hot dog eating contest? 
it's a, quite a trip, you know, over there. It depends on, you know, what's on the line. I feel like it would ruin hot dogs, though. I te- actually, I tell you what, I don't like hot dogs. Oh, hold but on. it sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook. Well, I mean, ever since I was eight, <laughs> it's just. Oh. All right, um, Celeste Annis writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, when society collapses, what will be? <laughs> when society collapses, Celeste doesn't say if she says when society <laughs> collapses, what will be the junk item from the before days you will search for, like the Tallahassee's Twinkies in Zombieland? Oh. Is there is is there something you'd go scavenging for in the apocalypse, Dave? Uh, it, I read her question, and I just loved the question, and I forgot the thing of an answer. Uh, Tahitian treat, that fruit punch pop. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there's something about it. When, when, when I was a kid, my parents had a donut shop, and they had the pop machine. Mm-hmm. You know, you just open it up and pick one out, and they always had Tahitian treat in there, and I, and I was allowed to go grab one, like maybe one a day or something like that, or every once in a while, and it was real special and sugary, sugary treat. So that's that's probably what I'd look for. I was looking for something hmm. from the moment you said pop machine i just quit listening oh yeah like what the hell is that <laughs> i don't know um yeah i don't know i mean i guess maybe reese cups i don't know like what wasn't that our number one on our halloween candy tier list I think I think what we're yeah, gonna do uh, is when when the week comes that we like need a break, we'll just the rerun we're gonna play is the Halloween candy tier list. Just play that over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Wasn't that like an hour? Itself, and, yeah. yeah. No, it's two full shows. It's two full shows. <laughs> um, Dale William Milchin writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, how many libertarians does it take to paint a house?" You should probably oh. find a painter. You know? Yeah. Like, get a painter to paint your house. Just just the one person to call? Mm-hmm. Make the call? Yeah. Because if you... <laughs> I don't know. Most of the libertarians I know are pretty just useless at everything. <laughs> you know? Like... They're, they're going to paint your house a giant slanted black and yellow... And then get on a yeah. podcast to talk about how they've <laughs> how they've really Start done something in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, Keith McQuarrie writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if you knew there was a nuclear apocalypse coming and were offered free, why are all of our questions based on an apocalypse? Have you noticed that? Oh, that's yeah, that's this is that's this is why I started running the polls because I'm trying to figure out who these people are that watch this damn show." <laughs> Obviously a bunch of, like, doomsday preppers. All right. If you if you knew there was a nuclear apocalypse coming and were offered free space in a bunker for you and your family, would you take it or would you rather accept your fate so as to not see the horrors that happen to the world next? Isn't that like the plot of the Fallout series? Yeah. Keith is asking us, do you would you go live in a vault in Fallout? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. I'd, I'd want to go out. I'd want to go out of my way to live in one of the ones where they were doing crazy experiments. See, that's that. That's why I never got the vasectomy for just that kind of situation. If yeah. I have to help repopulate the earth, I'm yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what if you wind up being in the vault where you're the only man and everyone else there is a woman? See, you mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, 
Yeah, you you don't know. Um, <laughs> it's really it's really convenient that Suzanne Sherman's on the show tonight because she's the red hot chili prepper, and apparently our entire audience are preppers. <laughs> so this is gonna be a hot episode. Um, and finally tonight, Marilyn Willemowski writes, "Dear Alan and Dave." Mm. Do you make a list before you go grocery shopping? If so, do you list the items in the order of the store layout or just randomly? Uh, Dave, did you forget something from the grocery store? <laughs> I actually did. Like, oh, I okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, I popped by the store today after I went yesterday, and I just needed to grab a couple things, so I didn't even let her know. I'm just, I just want to go get my stuff and get home. Mm-hmm. And I come in, and she's like, you forgot the chicken nuggets yesterday. So that must be what this is about. <laughs> So, okay, so I I was going to say I love that Mary's questions are inspired by real life, and now I love something else. Now I love that you tried to do something good, but now you're wrong. (laughs) Now, so what did you learn? I should have texted her and known that I was at, let her know I was at the store, and if I needed anything or forgot anything. Sorry, Mary. (laughs) False. What you should have learned was... You should not have gone. No. You should have waited until she said, let's go to the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So you you assumed responsibility. So this is on you. I keep doing that. Yeah, that's dumb. You don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) Makes life hard. Um, Guys, we're going to be back after the break with Suzanne Sherman to talk about her latest book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America. Right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. back to the show everybody our guest this evening is the official legal expert of it's too late with alan mosley you can find all of her content at suzannecsherman.com as well as her most recent book which is federalism how decentralization can save america which you can now get on audiobook by the way and it, you know what it sounds exquisite that's the word i would use for it well guys suzanne c sherman welcome back to the show thank you for having me alan always so fun to join you Suzanne, what's the C stand for? Christina. Christina? Yes. All right, I'm going to start calling you Christina. Christina! (laughs) Yes, sir. Federalism, how decentralization can save America. We're going to start off. I want you to give us like the 90-second boilerplate of what is federalism and how can decentralization save America? You know, I wrote this book to address both parties, not just the the left-wingers that want Washington, D.C. to be all-powerful, but as we also know, the right-wingers, as as a result of the Dobbs case, are also cheering on an all-powerful Washington, D.C. So what I'm trying to tell people is, look, understand this. 
that the more power Washington, D.C. has, eventually the less freedom you're going to have. So how do we come about changing this? Well, first of all, it's not from voting for one party or the other, depending on your policy preferences. It's actually turning towards your state and looking at the relationship between the state and the national government. And this is interesting, too, because the words have meaning. And right now, national and, and federal, when it pertains to the government, are really considered synonymous. So they refer to the federal government. But really what we have is a national government. And the federal government was what was really intended when the Constitution was drafted and ratified. So a federal government, as opposed to what we have now, was supposed to be limited in nature, whose powers were enumerated in the Constitution as rat and, and, and uh, how it was uh, ratified. And it, was, it would have adequate powers to achieve or adequate resources to achieve these goals. So what we have now is a government that's printing money out of control, rampant inflation, and the outer, the outer limits of their power just don't seem to exist. Now I'm I'm going to go straight to a, a bit of a spicy question for you. So, it, a lot of people talk about the Constitution as ratified. This is the Constitution as ratified. Uh, you know these these issues were debated at the ratifying convention. Some were accepted, some were rejected. But if that's true, then how did we get here? If the Constitution was ratified the way it was, and and as you just put, there was supposed to be adequate resources for the few and defined powers that the federal government was to maintain, how did we get here? Well, what I refer to, I, I jump right into it in the book, and one of the first chapters uh, is, I refer to it as the malfeasance, I beg your pardon, the malfeasance of the legal education industry. And remember now, many of these pundits that we see on TV when they bring out their experts or constitutional lawyers all went to law school. Many of the legislatures went to law school, federal court judges, obviously. And even the, you know, all of us attorneys that were practicing in the state, we learned the same thing. And we really are, are ignored in the Constitution, or in, in law school, I should say, is the fact that the Tenth Amendment, which is what Thomas Jefferson considered the cornerstone of the Constitution, really needs to be taken more into consideration, where what's happening now is it's, it's actually ignored in favor of discussions about the 14th Amendment. And this is how we apply the Bill of Rights to the states, which is in direct contravention to what was agreed upon or what we should say consented to at the ratification conventions. So if you look at the Constitution as a compact or a contract among states to form very limited government, essentially setting up common defense and a free trade zone among the states, this is really an inversion of power. The balance of power was supposed to remain with the states. So as an example I give in law school, we are taught something called case law, which is what pretty much left-leaning judges have gone down on the record as saying what the Constitution means, as opposed to looking at the ratification records, which is, um, which is a record of what was discussed, what did the states weigh and balance, or the delegates in their state conventions weigh and balance when they made the decision whether or not they would agree to ratify the Constitution. So you always want to look, what did the parties think at the time they came into this agreement? So this is like coming up with a, um, a contract and then having somebody years down the road or decades determine what your contract really did mean. And, and that could be the exact opposite of what your intentions were. And that's where we are now. So one example I like to share is uh, when, when I was going to, when I was studying for the bar exam. 
And one of the days on the bar exam is dedicated to a test that's the same across every state when they give this exam. And that is a multiple choice exam. And for purposes of expediency, they tell you if you come across a fact pattern and the answers, two of the answers of four, one is the 10th Amendment, one is the 14th Amendment, they will tell you that's a gimme. And it is a gimme, but the problem is they tell you the wrong answer is the right answer. So you always answer. They say, don't even read it. Just answer the 14th Amendment. When in actuality, if you look at the Constitution as ratified as opposed to case law, it is actually the 10th Amendment. But if you answer the bar, the questions on the bar exam correctly from a historical perspective, guess what? You're going to fail. I, I want to ask you an, another interesting question. Now, I, I know that this is a phrase that you've heard many times, uh, th and this is particularly pointed towards our, our boomer conservative friends who will say, you know, whatever whatever terrible thing going on in the world or the government is today, they'll reply with, we need to get back to the Constitution. But the interesting question is, is what do you mean by back? Because way more often than not, I find they, they think back as to the moment before that particular problem arose in their news feed that particular day. So I'm going to pose that question to you. If Suzanne, if I'm saying to you, we need to get back to the Constitution, how far back do you think we need to go for that to actually give us a positive result? Well, we just had an example of one positive result from a constitutional perspective, which was the Dobbs case, which they say overturned Roe, which really didn't overturn Roe, it was actually a case of uh, Casey and Planned Parenthood that returned, that said the states no longer had the authority to regulate or in, or, um, in any way restrict abortion whatsoever. And that really wasn't law. So what the Dobbs case did was say, no, this actually does belong with the state. So that was a little bit of dose of federalism that we had that conservatives were cheering on. And of course, we've seen the, the apoplectic reaction of the pro-choice uh, con uh, contingency. But interestingly enough, the same Supreme Court also decided, again, in contravention to the Constitution as ratified, the uh, case in, in New York, it was a New York rifle and pistol uh, organization versus Bruin, I think it was called. And that case, the Supreme Court overturned a the shall or the may issue uh, gun laws in New York, meaning whether or not you were to be authorized a permit to carry a, a firearm concealed is going to subject you to the whims of the local law enforcement agency under which you are. Uh, are subject. And this was the case in California as well. What they should have done to be consistent was to say, um, you know what, this also is an issue that belongs to the states. And now here's what happens when we get the pundits and the typical conservatives. They're cheering on this case. But again, firearms were supposed to be hands off. Nowhere in Article 1, Section 8 did the states ever delegate that authority to regulate firearms to the general government. So if they can't regulate it, ask me, please, how does the Supreme Court have the authority to strike down a state law over which the general government never had any power other than to arm the militia in the first place? So what you do is you get these thinkers that, you know, their analysis is about as deep as a birdbath, and that's being generous. There was a meme going around with uh, Greg Gutfeld saying, well, the reason abortion was overturned and the gun laws weren't was because uh, the, the gun, guns are listed in the, in the Constitution. 
And that's really, you know, if you look at it from the historical perspective, again, these items listed in the Bill of Rights really just were an affirmation that these were never powers delegated by the state. So according to the 10th Amendment, they, they, are, they rest exclusively within the states to regulate. So the states that the conservatives have been cheering on, meaning the New York case and also the coach that was praying on the football field, and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 you can't stop them from doing that, and conservatives are cheering. But again, that is more authority that is being handed over to Washington, D.C. Ultimately, it's a short-sighted goal, which will ultimately re rely in a real, real, I'm sorry, result in less freedom instead of more. Now, I'm going to challenge you on this because I know that there's a lot of people out there that would say, look, uh, the, the right to bear arms is something that I, I feel very strongly about. And if the Supreme Court ruled in such a way that at least this minute today, more people can, ex can uh, enjoy that right than theoretically could the day before, then that means, ergo, it was a, it was a net benefit to liberty. If, if I want you to make the case that that's not true. You know, I think I made the case the best, especially in the in the chapter on the Second Amendment with regards to the national reciprocity uh, possibility that, that Donald Trump was talking about, which is where the federal government would force all of the states to accept as valid the concealed carry permits in every other state. And I made the point that, look, what's going to happen because there are so many different standards for issuing these permits. For instance, Utah just went um, permitless carry, so you can carry concealed without a permit. <clears throat> California is pretty much like New York, and I, I could not get a concealed carry permit there because I didn't, um, sub I didn't donate heavily to Sheriff Lori Smith's uh, campaign re-election campaign, you know, this is, this is, you have some states that are going to absolutely be awful when it comes to firearms. But the danger is, let's say that National Reciprocity Act did pass. What do you think Joe Biden and the Kamala, and the Kamala Harris administration would likely do? I don't know, maybe rescind all these licenses or this goes now to the Supreme Court because the people in California, they don't want us crazy Utahns going there and bringing our guns into California, which I do anyway. Uh, but the point is they're going to say we're going to the Supreme Court because we want now a national standard for carrying firearms. So my question to people that support this and, and, and cheer on these victories, what kind of national standard do you think you're going to get? A permitless carry standard across the board like Utah has? Absolutely not. Or is it going to be one more in alliance with California where you have to have a permit only for the firearm that you're going to use? So forget about a secondary handgun. You have to take uh, marksmanship tests with it in training, which, you know, that's that's always admirable. You should train. Um, but you're going to have also possibly restrictions on magazine capacities, maybe calibers, maybe the type of firearm. So that's something you want to be very weary of because ultimately more regulations are going to entangle and it's going to be a very wide net that can ensnare law-abiding citizens that are being responsible with their firearms while the criminals are, and the ones that are actually harming people with their firearms are going to, to go about with their, their lives unchanged. Now, you had mentioned a little bit ago, and I know you discuss it uh, at length in your book, talking about uh, the the legal education industry. So I want you to expound a little bit on what is the legal education industry 
And has has this is another thing kind of similar to the getting back to the Constitution. Has this always been the case or was there a particular turning point? You know, I, I think that the Supreme Court, looking back on its other rulings in its own case with, you know, a Scalia saying, you know, just defending absolute stare decisis, we have to look at what the Supreme Court has said in the past. And this guy is known as an originalist, a textualist, and I excoriate him in my Second Amendment chapter. And this is, again, an example of how they never had this power. But what we talk about in law school, we have a case book. And we review all these Supreme Court cases to interpret what the Constitution means. And I remember when we started talking about all these other issues, such as abortion and these other rights, that the my, my professor was saying, these rights were never listed in the Constitution. And again, that's a little digression here. I really can't stand the term constitutional rights, because what you hear then is the politicians saying, well, no, the Second Amendment is not absolute. Rights are subject to reasonable regulations. But when he mentioned this, he goes, we do have these new rights. And he put his hand up, he goes, that spring forth from the Constitution from the 14th Amendment. Well, again, now you have to look at how the 14th Amendment came about. And it was never intended to be the springboard from which the state's uh, powers and authority to regulate these matters that they never de these matters they never delegated that these that the federal government could usurp them and take over and substitute the judgment of the people of these states through their legislatures for their own. This was never intended, and in fact, when a, a congressional veto was suggested by James Madison and Edmund Randolph, what was called the Virginia Plan in the Philadelphia Convention. They threatened to shut down the entire event because they saw this would be an absolute usurpation of the state's powers. I, I feel like there's kind of an interesting disconnect that I want you to talk a little bit more about. So first of all, I want you to define really quick, and then I'll I'll finish my question here. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to assume people do or don't know certain things. So what is stare decisis? That's when the Supreme Court looks to see what did we say before, essentially. And if we said that before, um, we're not going to go and correct ourselves. So the 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 question that I wanted to get to is is I know that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris had an interview recently. Uh, where the the recent Supreme Court rulings came up, particularly about uh, the overturning of Roe, and and she had expressed that one of the main reasons that she was against it was because uh, it, it, this is her quote: "Some things are just settled." Yes. Now, sorry. don't you don't you find it interesting that uh, the Constitution is ratified clearly wasn't settled in their view because it can be reinterpreted over and over and over again in the future. But once they've made a ruling post-ratification, then that is settled. It, th th doesn't that seem to reek of a certain level of hypocrisy? Right. And what I meant to get to earlier, I'm sorry I got distracted, was the fact that they never they never addressed their their views about abortion like they did in the other cases before you know what about viability and that sort of thing instead they just said mm, hands off we're just going to return this to the states which was actually what they should have done but notice how they didn't do that with the gun case or the praying uh coach case and one of the things i mentioned was again with starry decisis was why did they not take this same stance with the gun cases 
And if they had, that would have been consistent considering what they did with Roe. And what I had said in that also was the fact that if they had done something like that and referred guns back to the states, guess what? We don't know. We don't need a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms or Explosives. States don't need to have uh, dealers with federal firearms licenses. They can actually ignore and they don't have to wait for a, a Supreme Court decision for that just like they did with nullifying the marijuana laws that were came about from the Controlled Substances Act. Now, you brought up the case. Uh, I don't I don't have the, the official case in front of me, so I don't remember the name of it. But the, the case of the high school football coach uh, who was leading prayers on a football field and, the, and it was ultimately ruled in his favor. Mm -hmm. But, of course, this was many, many years after he had already been dismissed from his job. And because you know that the wheels of justice don't exactly grind at a particularly fast pace. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about that one a little bit because I know we've we've only just sort of glossed over it a bit. And and my question is is particularly the the pace of the ruling itself and and how many years after the fact that it was actually ruled upon. So my first question is is why is this being litigated in the first place at all? Why how did that how did a coach uh, praying with his players on the field ever enter into the justice system in the first place? And then second of all, how is this something that, I mean, what is two, three, four, I think, I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's something that originally started in like 2014, 2015, and now fast forward to 2022, they're ruling that this coach who's been out of that job now for six years, oh, okay, no, you were right to do that. The proper place for these these cases to be properly adjudicated is is within the states. And this is just an example of both sides. If they don't get the redress they are seeking pursuant to their policy preferences, running to the federal judiciary, which again, like I, I started to mention, this was this was um, rejected in the Philadelphia Convention, where Congress cannot have a negative or a veto over state laws. And that was rejected. But we have the same effect when the federal judiciary does this. And both sides do it. For instance, in California, I lived there and the people of the state of California actually voted to limit marriage to a man and a woman. Well, what happened was those that disagreed with that outcome then sought redress in the federal judiciary. And the same thing happens when the people on the right challenge the gun laws in California by going to the federal judiciary. And they're both wrong because these were matters that were intended to remain ex exclusively within the providence of the states. Now I'm I'm going to ask you another a challenging question. I'm not I'm not trying to bully you today, Suzanne. But you know you've been, this is like your sixth or seventh appearance on the show, so the gloves are coming off. <laughs> I I think that purely from a strategy standpoint, there there are people that are going to say back to you, it's all well and good to believe in the principles of republicanism and federalism and believe that we shouldn't be running to a federal judiciary. The problem is is our opponents will. And mm -hmm. if our opponents are going to, then why should I not? No, and I agree. And I knew people in uh, New York that were saying, look, I know national reciprocity is a bad idea from a constitutional perspective. This is a lawyer telling me this. But you know what? And I hear this all the time. I'm going to take this victory where I can get it because now I can actually get a firearms permit. And I would suggest to these people that the more prudent approach is to actually move because you really don't want something to be 
decided, all these policy decisions to be ultimately decided from a central government. I mean, this is this is uh, the exact opposite of republicanism. You have essentially nine politically connected attorneys and black government issued costumes decreeing what the law of the land is going to be for over 350 million people. And I would think both sides should find that repugnant as opposed to grasping for straws. And instead, where you will have absolutely zero um, communication with your representatives, I mean, write all the letters you want, I guarantee you, they will never see them. Work things out in your state first. Work things out in your local community. And, you know, we've talked about this before on my show, Alan, where, you know, we have these layers of the onion where we have the federal courts, we have the state courts, we have local municipalities. And then we have ultimately the the ultimate sovereign is the individual. And do what you're going to do and nullify laws that don't work for you on your own. And as long as you are not harming anybody, taking their property, that sort of thing, do what you're going to do. And this is why also I'm a huge believer in jury nullification. So if you're in a state, for instance, where it's illegal to consume cannabis and you get arrested for possession and consumption of cannabis, and if you are sitting on a jury and you don't like that law, you think it is uh, unjust, both as applied to that individual or on its face, you should nullify. So nullification is something that should occur from a personal level all the way on up. And the states have an obligation as sovereigns to nullify these laws and these court decisions that violate their state policies that, that have been enacted through their duly elected legislatures. All right. So we're so we're talking about doing local, right? Starting your community, your town, your county and and then up to the state, but no higher because then you're going to run the risk of a uh, federal supremacy that's going to go against your intended wishes down the road. But I I think I think then a lot of people will say cuz you you brought up nullification, so of course you're a racist neo-confederate, so we'll go there. You brought up nullification. So 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 walk us through that. We got we got just a couple of minutes left. Walk us through that. So let's let's say hypothetically there's an issue that's near and dear to our hearts and we've reached out to our local community and we're all on board that we want to do it a certain way. And we've taken it to the town and we've taken it to the mayor and we've taken it to the county mayor and we're all on board with the way we want to handle this issue. And maybe even we go I hear I'm I'm in Tennessee. Maybe we even go to the Tennessee state legislature and all the other counties are on board and we've decided this is how we're going to handle issue X, then what then is our recourse when the federal government says, oh, no, no, we've decided on issue X to do it a different way, and you have to listen to what we say? What happens next? You know, I'll, I'll give you an example of what should have happened at one point, and I mentioned how the states have effectively nullified the cannabis prohibition from the federal government, and there was a case in California after medical marijuana passed before it was legalized for recreational use, and her name was Angel Rach, and she was using it because she had a very painful um, malady, and she was using it to get some pain relief, and the DEA came in and took her plants from her, and she started suffering, but interestingly, it wasn't just the DEA there. The, uh, I think it was Santa Cruz County sheriffs were standing right by doing nothing, what they should have done was arrest the federal agents. But as we both know, Alan, you know, the, the local and federal government agencies are all working in cahoots together with civil asset forfeiture, you know, called equitable sharing, which is uh, anything but. 
And it's very profitable to stand by and allow the federal government to usurp their sovereignty. So we see that all the time. We've also seen what they call the Second Amendment cities, where certain sheriffs have said we are absolutely not going to enforce federal gun laws. Or the states will say we're not going to use state resources to help the feds do it. They need to take it a step further and say any federal agent coming into our state to enforce uh, gun control with which we disagree, we're going to arrest them. That's what needs to happen. But what we see now with all the grants and now with the red flag laws that came about, um, the Republicans that supported and cheered on the Dobbs case for, for again, going back to the 10th Amendment, are the very some ones that uh, signed into law or, or that passed the red flag laws. And how is the federal government going to get the states to comply? Financials. They're going to do that by bribing them and giving their money. And you have to ask yourself this question. If the federal government has this authority to impose these red flag laws on the states, why do they need to bribe them? And you will not hear a single newscaster, bobblehead, nitwit out there ask that question on the mainstream media. Well, I think you, you brought up the Rachel Rage case, which is a great example. I, I think what a lot of people that might be listening to us right now would say is, is that, look, I in, in concept, I like the idea of turning local and and voting with my feet and living in a commu a tight knit community that is ideologically homogenous, um, that that believes uh, a certain way. And we're going to uh effectively nullify federal statutes that we don't agree with. But I think a lot of those people would say, but I'm terrified that if the rubber hits the road, you know, my, my wise local overlords are just going to lay down and allow our wise federal overlords to walk over us. Is I, I feel like that's I don't I don't I don't know if I want to necessarily say that's the most likely outcome, but I think it's it's it has been proven to be a certainly plausible outcome. So so then what is the strategy beyond just simply passing a few local ordinances saying we nullify X, Y and Z? What's the strategy so that there's actually teeth behind the words? This the states have to just turn their backs on this money. And, you know, the logic is, well, you know, we, we send the federal government all this money, so we need to get some back. So they take these bribes, you know, the money is effectively laundered and they get pennies on the dollar back. I would, I would say that the states need to stop sending money to the federal government, retain that money for themselves and, and use it to, um, to support the programs that they want and not just have the federal government bribe them. An incident like that happened, it was a school district south of Salt Lake City. And when Common Core came about, they said, we're not going to do Common Core because we care about the children's education. That is paramount. Then the Fed said, fine, you're not getting money. And they backed up that truck so fast and said, well, we need the federal money because the children's education is paramount. So you can't have it both ways. And it, it's going to take some fortitude. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book, so people really understand the trap that you're getting into when you celebrate these cases and look for the federal government for guidance over issues they were never delegated. They're not responsive to you. They don't care about what you say. We've seen that in the past few years, not just this administration, but the one before. So they're not going to be responsive. Ultimately, the more power you, go you give them and that you legitimize the more power they're going to use against you. All right, on that note, uh, guys, federalism, how decentralization can save America. Go pick up Suzanne's latest book, or if you're more of a listener, you can get the audio book as well. 
Uh, Suzanne, where can people go to support you and get your book? Well, thank you. And by the way, the audio, the audible version has uh, amazing voice talent. So you don't want to miss Exquisite. that one. Exquisite. Absolutely. <laughs> Suzanne C. Sherman is my website. And if you go there, you can get links to both my shows, the Wasatch Report and the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. And I talk about preparedness and self-reliance. So if you can't find any solutions in this situation we've just talked about on this show, be prepared because shortages are coming and you're going to need to know how to survive that. And my website is SuzanneCSherman.com. And you will also find links to all my books there. So thank you so much for having me, Alan. Suzanne. Oh, here we go. We're, we're going to get you out of here on this one. <laughs> Is a waffle a cake? No. Oh, oh I'm God. sorry. No. Yeah. You, you it, don't put a cake between two things. So a waffle is absolutely a dessert item. All of you people out there that are eating your stack of waffles with all your syrup and toppings, you're eating dessert for breakfast. You should be ashamed, just as Suzanne is ashamed for having missed another question. But Suzanne, <laughs> you did pretty good up to that point, so we're, we're glad to have you. Other than when I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Stick around. <laughs> If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com at Alan Mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Alan Mosley TV. Also, we're on Odyssey. Go support a free speech platform. That's Odyssey. It's too late with Alan Mosley or at Alan Mosley TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can get us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice thanks to Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. Yeah. I, I was trying to do a really professional read through of the social links so that we could oh, just tape that and then. You know, there you go. Play that next week. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you have a final thought? Uh, it was a, it was a great interview. It's always fun to hang out with Suzanne. She she did a great job. I think we did we had a pretty solid show tonight. So mm -hmm. I'm happy with it. I think yeah, this is pretty good. This was fun. This was this was another share episode. I think. What do you think? Yeah. 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 Because because some weeks. We, we just keep no. to ourselves. This wasn't a total catastrophe. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that we've ever had a total catastrophe. <laughs> Not yet. What do you mean yet? We're supposed to be getting better. <laughs> All right, well... Uh, just checking in with live chat before we head off to the after party. Um... Alan will read a whole ass book but gets annoyed reading his own promo bits. Aaron, that's because I was getting paid to read that book. And the only way we get paid to read the promo ads here is if some people subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Alan Mosley, go to our PayPal, leave us a donation, 
hit those likes and shares and subscriptions, all that good stuff. Um, After Party is going to be on Twitch, so you got to go over to twitch.tv slash Alan underscore Mosley for the After Party. Yeah, the After Party is the real show. This is just, all of this is the advertisement for the After Party. Free game. <sighs> I love this song. Yeah, I looked at the time. We were pretty good on time, but I want to. I want to yeah. listen to the song. You know, so I say I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, wrap it up, Alan. We, we're close to nailing it. Sorry if I ruined the song. Do I have anything? Yeah, let's uh, let's do this. Yeah, let, let's let's do this. Actually, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I haven't said DSer on the show in like three months. Been a pretty positive run we had. Yeah, we've been very personable lately. <laughs> All right, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for watching the other episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. I feel like we should just hit end screen before the inevitable happens. Yeah. Yeah, we should have had balloons. We'll have balloons at next year's event because it'll be yeah. indoors, so that way they won't all just fly off into the atmosphere. Oh, you can get them like custom printed or something, maybe? I think so. That'd be cool. Yeah. We have been well behaved, Gibbs. <laughs> no dick shitters on this show. Not a single oh, one. Oh, no, the mic's hot. Oh, no. <laughs> what? God fucking damn it. You gotta tell me when you're doing that.